Hello and welcome to another episode of the Massage Matters podcast. Thank you for once again joining the Massage Collective, myself, Matt Scarsbrook, Anna Maria Mazzieri, and Becky DeBolt Horton. And this is our last podcast for May, where we are going to be doing another short, sort of 15 ish minutes chat uh, on the topic of social media. And today uh, it's myself and Anna Maria, and we are going to be talking about debating on social media which is obviously an area that um, both of us are pretty familiar with, uh, both in terms of we have fairly strong opinions around the uh, the areas that we like to get involved in debating. Uh, but we have also obviously been at the other end of it where people have, uh, have, have challenged us on some of our views. Quite rightly, uh, we, we've, we've been challenged at times. But the question really is, how do we go about that in a way that is constructive, uh, respectful, um, and actually achieves what it is that we're, we're aiming to achieve. And so there are a few questions, I guess, uh, Anna, that I was, I'd sort of written down uh, by way of kind of starting this topic off, really. And, and I, uh, as I mentioned previously, uh, just off air, there's been some interesting reading that I've come across as well. So we'll kind of just see where this conversation goes, really. But I guess what I was asking is um, when it comes to these debates on social media, and I'm assuming most people are are aware of the kind of conversations we mean. You know, someone puts out a post. They're making a statement either through their advertising or because they're sharing a piece of literature they've come across or they just make a statement. And off the back of that, they end up receiving feedback on it. And that feedback may be like, yeah, that sounds cool. Or it might be, you're wrong, and here's why. And so the questions I was kind of asking myself is, well, why, what, what are we actually debating when, we're, when we're, we're on social media? Why are we debating uh, these yeah, things? Yeah, that's a better question, isn't it? Uh, no what, but why? What is, the, what is the outcome that we want with the debate? Yeah, yep, correct. Yep. Who's the audience that we're debating mm. for? You know, is it is it are we debating for ourselves because we've just got riled up? Or are we debating for the person who perhaps put that original post out? Are we trying to change their minds? Or are we debating for the people around the outsides, the sort of the, the internet lurkers as they're known, you know, the people who aren't necessarily engaging in the conversation but are definitely watching it unfold? Absolutely. And 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 yeah, um, my, my last question there is exactly, you've nailed it there. What, what's the desired outcome here? What, when, when we're getting involved in these online conversations, what are we hoping to achieve? And I think, you know, if we, if we break it down, what, what, what's, what are we trying to achieve with any debate, debate. or mm. conversation of that sort, where there are disagreements involved, whether it's on social media or, you know, walking around the park with your mate? I think generally the idea is we're, we're trying to put our views across as being more right than perhaps the views of the other person or perhaps hopefully what we're trying to do is actually air multiple views and then collaboratively come to a conclusion on what view might be the most uh, appropriate or the most realistic based on the knowledge we have now that's a very sciencey kind of way of looking at it but i think that's fundamentally what people are trying to do 
But what I think ends up happening is either because of the lack of tone on social media or because of the lack of character availability on social media, we end up putting across quite short, sharp points. And I thought, well, the mate, being being a geek, I thought people must have done some research or thinking mm. into this. This this style of 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 how we we use social media for, in particular, scientific um, discussion. And it will probably come to no surprise, really, uh, that Twitter is definitely a place where scientific discourse occurs. Um, anyone involved in the you know outside of the massage world perhaps leaning into some of the physio and sports therapy kind of areas will be familiar with the fact that largely physio social media is twitter um as is you know the medics and the consultants and all that kind of area as opposed to facebook uh which is kind of where uh, you know from my experience anyway where kind of the massage therapists hang out we, we hang out on facebook predominantly but if i want to get hold of a physio i'll go on twitter um and, and so there was actually um, some really interesting editorial pieces that were written in Science, the journal Science, uh, in February this year, which was kind of reflecting on the use of social media for scientific communication. And really what they're talking about there is the communication between scientists, you know, when they're trying to further some sort of... Um, uh, you know, uh, thought process and and the idea that actually they don't have to be t- sat at a conference. They haven't had to pay to to have that conversation. They can put an idea out to the to the scientific community, and the scientific community can come back to them and make comment. And that is obviously hugely beneficial. You can kind of have conversations that you're firing off um, without without any cost, really. And also, as was pointed out in these editorials there is a conciseness of language that is needed when you are limited, as Twitter does, to a certain number of characters. So it really does force the individuals putting their ideas across to think, how can I be most concise? How can I be most constructive in putting these ideas across so that someone understands them in as few characters as possible? Brilliant. The problem is, and this is the this is the crux of it for me, which which is quite interesting, and obviously we need to come back to how to have the debates, but this is where my kind of reading and, and, and thoughts spun off, is the audience. Because when we are debating on social media, it's not like we're a town crier where we're just saying something to the world our audience is predetermined by the algorithms. And what we tend to find is, and if you look at any of the algorithms, the the algorithms behind any social media platform are there to keep you on the platform, are there to get you to engage with content on the platform. How does the platform do that? By only providing you information that you're going to engage with. So, Generally, that's the more controversial stuff. That's, or it's going to be stuff that you've already demonstrated a level of engagement with before. So actually, when you put an idea out into the Twitter sphere or any other social media platform, effectively, you're preaching to the choir because either the people who are, who are seeing your posts are seeing your posts because they've previously looked at your content, and maybe it's because actually they're, they're your biggest troll, 
and that's that's obviously one way one you know they they've they've specifically chosen to challenge your content and as a result they they get delivered they get served your content more frequently or they're people who like your posts comment on your posts because they agree with you very rarely are you going to kind of get your content served or get served content from people who are kind of on that those margins who are kind of like well I'm up for a reasonable debate I could go either way provide me something reasonable to push me one way rather than the other because that doesn't make good content that's not engaging that's not that's not um going to create some sort of furore which is why when we look at the people who are most popular again in the in in our kind of industry they are most popular because they create content that is by definition going to create some sort of tension and they deliver that content by creating tension yeah you add emotions to a post and you get people engaged yeah and people engage engaged in their response into their emotive response that's when so the 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 twitter or the social media algorithm is something that worries me in terms of uh, um in, tr- in terms of variety of interactions because we are definitely inside the nico chamber uh, mostly however i'd also think that we need to start taking bloody responsibility of our choices of uh, what we follow on social media. We need to make a, a concerted effort to follow not only who we like, but to follow people or accounts that we know they do think uh, differently than, than we do. I think we need to make a concerted effort to, to be critical thinkers on social media so that we we get as much diversity into our content as possible because otherwise it's just any any cochamba and and you know we we we're, we're great mates with Adam Meekins on this uh, podcast uh, but i remember you know years ago when when you and i anna were, were sort of first talking and and you would refer to adam as one of those accounts that you specifically put yourself out of your comfort zone to follow because whilst he was and remains fairly anti-manual therapy through his social media messaging it was his rationale for that uh for that anti-manual therapy stance that you said helped challenge your thinking Mm, um, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely but even I, I would go even to the to the to the other extreme that not even people that we find content useful but people actually we totally disagree with that that, that is a great way to to enrich to enrich ourselves because I, I, and I think we need to be better critical choosers critical thinkers ourselves and not only um like being passive within the social media because it can have a great it can, we can use it a great opportunities the debate i learned more debating on social media than all my experience as a, a university or as a tutor or or we with colleagues at conferences because it's uh, you know the time in those they're quite limited but in social media you get 
access to such a diverse uh, uh, diverse com conversations that it is so much more is so much more useful for us in terms of debating and you learn how to debate you can you know you you look at some of those people you think oh my god they know how to hold their position how do they do that i find that fascinating i find that fascinating so how so i you you touched on you brought up a word uh, in in something you were saying earlier about how uh, particular social media posts gain traction and it struck me that that particular word was not the most useful when it comes to actually holding constructive debates and that was emotion mm. that was this idea that actually yeah posts that be based on the algorithms they want interaction they want comments likes hates whatever they want to stoke your emotions and yet emotion is not necessarily the best um feeling if i can say that uh to to be experiencing whilst having a constructive debate is it do you know what being italian i'm not sure if i do agree we need to be as um, emotionless as possible <laughs> i didn't say emotionless no 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 but you you know what i mean we yeah. need to put emotions aside to have a to have a, a clean to to remove all the noise around a good debate but being Italian, I sometimes find that I can access some of my uh, ideas, references, or um, some of my uh, points when emotion gets stirred. Mm -hmm. So if something engaged, but maybe, maybe people feel emotions differently, but for me to be engaged and to actually actively... <laughs> cognitively go and find, uh, uh, as I say, all those information in my brain, and it's something that really, really stirs me. So while other people might find uncomfortableness in challenge, for me is a challenge. So you like, you like to be challenged in order to get you going? Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Like to be challenged in, in order to get me going. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, the, the, the emotion of uh, uh, the emotion that is stirs that sometimes is that originally might be a, a non welcome emotion, or it can be actually it's what, what, what stimulates it. So, uh, but on the debate itself, uh, emotion should not. So that was my Coming next question. To, yeah. So because I think you're absolutely right. Because what you know, if you're not, if you don't have s some sort of emotional kick, you're not going to engage in the conversation. It's, it's clearly yeah. not not interesting enough to you. But I uh, I think it's important that that frustration or irritation or whatever emotion we want to label to this doesn't necessarily come through in the conversation as such you can be passionate mm. and and there probably is at some point you know an interesting conversation between where where does passion end passion, and yeah, emotion yes, become yeah. too much and all that yeah, stuff yeah, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but how do you then as as someone who is very uh you know emotion driven and very passionate when it comes to your topics how do you reflect on the pieces that you respond with on social media to make sure that you know you they stay in the right boxes so that you can have that that well you just said that you reflect you just said it you you reflect i i i'm a firm believer that well i'm a firm believer that there's a really silly things to say we have biases and as long as i am aware and i keep them on check then 
and I can mitigate for them. So I do that with with my debates or argument, whatever you want to call them. I I know that one of my drawbacks is I can get emotions in front of rationale. And so I do check, I do keep that into check. So if, if it happens, I can mitigate, I can change, I can, I have to sleep on it. I'm very, uh, you know, this is one of the things I learned in business a decade ago, you know, just, just sleep on it. Just do not knee-jerk reactions because that, that is my, my, my problem. I'm very, very intense. And so I have to think a little bit more than other people, maybe, to make sure that uh, I eliminate that too much. But I will put into it because, I, as I said before, to me, the, the passion, um, the control passion, the control excitement, uh, it's actually a, helps me to clear my, helps, helps me to, to be, yeah, helps me to organize my, my brain a little bit. Excellent. Yeah. So that sort of helps you focus and kind of go. Yeah, no, for, that's, this you. is yeah, 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 this yeah. is an area that I want to get. Yeah. I want to get a point across. Yeah. Um, do you think then that the medium that is social media, with all the restrictions that come in terms of, like we said, lack of tone, limited character n- numbers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, do you think that helps you focus more in terms of how you construct a response? Or do you just add a massive thread of tweets because you're just not? (laughs) Twitter is so good for me because I am so... I mean, my students will laugh because actually if I start talking, I never stop in class. But actually Twitter suits me because it's short and sharp. I take it exactly as it is. And for me, it's so much better to get what I want to say out. I am... Abrupt as a brat can be, I don't flower my uh, my written conversation at all. In fact, people that works with me struggle because my email are so you know um, <laughs> to on the, the point. Po- yeah, yeah <laughs> on, to the point. No, on the point. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, on the point. So Twitter actually really really suits me, and I learned to somehow to to get through t- tone. I, I don't. I, for me, tone. Uh, it's not an issue. I read the words, the amazing, beautiful English words, and I get meaning out of words. But tone is not something something that bothers me. And that's that's why I think Twitter has an amazing, ama- gives amazing opportunities. And, you know, I'm excited to see what Elon Musk is going to bring in <laughs> if uh, everything goes to plan. Um, not sure that I would want it as a... Paid, paid platform, but anyway, that's that's. So, I, I, but you know what? I'm really quite sad that I don't see many massage therapists on Twitter. And I follow the Twitter sphere, and I follow you know all all those physios on Twitter, but I'm not a physio. And uh, I this those are not my co- yeah they are my colleagues in the broader terms. It would love it would be nice to to speak to people that they are soft tissue therapists, that they are sports therapists a little bit more. And so, you know, I, I, do you I think hope. That is? Why do you think? I, th- why do you think that we've we've ended up with this sort of almost? Uh, I'm going to say, academics on Twitter and vocational through Facebook. Because I I really thought about it because I think certain certain we'll say topic or certain discussions 
might require to 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 be to be better understood might require longer posts longer comments might require but it's actually it's not that they require we are not we are not learned the tweet we are not learned how to summarize minimize and it's uh, and also and first and also it is a very much scientific uh, kind of uh, uh, platform let's not scientific but do you know what i mean quite well no uh, i mean within yeah. our field you're absolutely right it is uh, that's why i was careful to say yeah. academic versus vocational that's not to say vocational no no isn't scientific but, but there is definitely more that lean you practice it more in academia yeah. to be more concise to be to the point that's that is this, correct this is exactly what i was going to say so we know that you know especially with the english language it's a scientific language because it is you know, you can be very concise, concise and still uh, demonstrate and express your point. And I think we need to learn that in massage therapy. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And do mm. you think? Do you think it's because? I mean, this is going way off topic, but I think it is. It is relevant because there are so many. Uh, we, this the, the podcast really. We, we've always said that that we want to champion manual therapy in the right way from an evidence-based perspective where we want to champion the massage therapist the manual therapists who provide those services but that we've also said that if we want to be taken seriously we need a seat at the table well we, we need to be taken seriously if we want a seat at the table you know when we're talking about the broader healthcare um kind of uh, approaches and the broader healthcare applications and in order to get a seat at the table i think you know we have to understand that the, the, the table is academic you know there's certainly conversations that take place yes. at the table are academic and in order yes. to be to take to take part in those conversations we need to perhaps just be a little bit more uh capable in in like you say our language and how we interact and how we debate and and learning some of that conciseness i don't think is a bad thing what i do wonder is whether we lack the concise language because we don't have enough um uh, what am i trying to say we don't have enough against which to learn how to be concise we don't have anything in our field really that shows us what it means to be concise in our arguments around manual therapy everything we've got tends to be more flowery language tends to be more elaborate tends to go on for a little bit longer um but we we don't necessarily have those examples where we can go this is how to talk about massage therapy this is how to talk about manual therapy in clear concise scientific terms and so the people the students the practitioners who are who who are looking for examples on how to do this kind of thing their examples are only long drawn out facebook posts or adverts telling Correct. you why Based on one we've seen recently, fire cupping removes everything, including jet oh, fuel, which oh, I thought was hilarious. Oh, did you see that? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, jet fuel we, that we all have. Anyway, this is another, another tangent. Yeah. So everyone yeah. who's seen that post, they know the post we're talking about. Um, but but perhaps what we're lacking then is this is this uh, is this basis from which people can learn from within our field to learn what it's like to talk in to talk concisely to learn the right language to then feel confident perhaps 
to have that conversation, to join the table as we 100% should be doing, but to join the conversation, join the table uh, by having the language skills uh, and that conciseness and being comfortable around those shorter, sharper, to the point kind of conversations perhaps. Uh, Honestly, this is all back about me. Yeah, me, 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 as people that know (laughs) me. Is it ever not? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But honestly, it is a skill coming from the English language that you all love so much. And obviously, I love the English language. But it's such a flowery language. It's such, to say one sentence, you need hundreds of words. Coming to the English language, which is so on point, I absolutely love it. You have one word that has such a deep meaning. You don't need a sentence. You just can have one word, and that is so meaningful. I, it is such a pleasure to. Do. However, the struggle I found that with it, the, the the cons of it is that you have to use the right word. And that's I'm becoming a stickler with, 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 with words because the right words have to be used because otherwise a whole meaning of a sentence, of a concept can change. Mm. And it's such, from, from a foreigner, uh, it, it's, it, it's a skill to be learned. And, and I'll be honest, I think that's, that is probably, again, straddling the worlds between the academic and the vocational that's what comes across in academic writing um and 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 why those academics particularly those on twitter which is like we say where the academics hang out they have that uh, perhaps a greater experience with that skill because that is what academic writing requires and for two reasons one because you are trying to get as much acrossable in uh, much acrossable as much across in as few words as possible acrossable um, but you're also um, often referencing other people's work. But when you reference other people's work, you're not allowed to plagiarise for obvious reasons. And so what you're trying to do is to take their concept, convey exactly that concept, but with a different form of words. And to take a concept in and, and, and put it into a different form of words and not lose meaning your vocabulary has to be enormous. That's absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and like the number of times I've been sat there with the thesaurus open going, yes. what, what form of words not only is different to the one in front of me, yes. but is accurate to the ideas the meaning, being conveyed the in front of uh, me? Vocabulary is something I, I will always, always struggle with. And this is one of my... Um, pet hate of myself in my thinking process in English, which now it's, I think, and dream in English. But if I was debating or discussing a concept in Italian, I would be so much better because I will have a broader vocabulary. While here, when I discuss a topic, I look stupid. I always think, oh my God, that sounded so stupid. Because my vocabulary it's so limited for obvious reasons. And I have to really, like you, I have to work hard and find and create all the time a new vocabulary. So, and this is where Twitter, it's, it's great help because you have to think. Mm. You know, I'm one of those that, you know, to write a tweet that takes me ages because you've got to think about the, the right word. 
And then if it's misinterpreted, I don't care. That, that, this is the other thing. I've got thick skin. I, that's why I said about tone. If somebody doesn't like it, well, you know. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and, and I think that probably comes in. So uh, just thinking, because we were supposed to keep keeping this one short. Oh, yeah, Anna, sorry, but sorry. No, yes, <laughs> I, this is the problem when you and I start talking. We, yeah. we, we go on forever. Um, yeah. But I, I think we've we've not covered at all what we intended to cover, but we've had a phenomenal conversation anyway. But I think probably the takeaways that I'm I'm getting from this conversation when it comes to debates on social media would be not necessarily developing that thick skin, but kind of developing a thick skin when it comes to tone and realising that lack of tone goes both ways. Yes, there's no tone when someone writes, but there's no tone equally when you read it. So learning to con- kind of control those emotional stuff. But I think... More importantly, and something, you know, to pick up from what you said, it would be fabulous to see more manual therapists engaging more in the more meaningful conversations, perhaps taking the opportunity to try and, you know, take their seat at the table, as it were, in those conversations, represent what we do at the point that, you know, because we want to demonstrate that that we have a place in in wider healthcare, um, particularly in that community space. but we need to be engaging in conversations in order to to help further our causes, but perhaps also to practice increasing one's vocabulary in order to be able to have those conversations. And I think actually it doesn't matter whether you're academic or vocational to have that. Vocab is is fun. That sounds kind of geeky, but, you know, perhaps perhaps it comes from you with your experience of multiple languages um but vocab can be fun it can be uh challenging to go off and find new words and i know people who've done like word of the day it's like i'm going to get this word into a conversation today like it's a new word for me i'm going to find a way to fit it in Uh, because then the context is relevant oh this is really interesting you know a friend of mine used to do that with me a long time ago and one of the words that i really always struggle with is juxtaposition he said okay now anna this week before i see you again you need to put juxtaposition into a sentence with some people that you're talking to and i think you're thinking about this juxtaposition but that's how i learned yeah yeah you know so maybe, maybe we ought to... Let's um, give, yeah, let's give a word. Let's give a word. Should we, should we, when this podcast comes out, yes. um, uh, go back onto our Facebook feed and yes. we will have put maybe a word a or word. maybe a couple of words relevant. Let's see if we can be relevant to the industry and try and fit it in either with conversations with your clients or conversations with your colleagues today yeah. being when you listen to this yes. podcast yeah oh, yes that would be quite good fantastic. fun fantastic fantastic awesome good well thank you once again for joining us it's been great um i'm gonna do the whole like standard youtube thing which i started doing which is like comment and, subs- and subscribe and share <laughs> all of it like comment subscribe and share subscribe <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you uh next month for a whole new topic <laughs>